us and unpacks the words of God to our eyes and ears. Mm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Bronnie. They're an Australian bunch, actually, in, in, and you can tell, can't they? Slightly irreverent uh, in America doing their thing. So there you go. Lovely. Uh, the privilege of, of bringing God's word to you is something I never take for granted, and I, and, and I just love that. So thank you for that. The saga that was to define the turning point of history began in Nazareth. Which is really interesting because the atheists tell us that Nazareth doesn't exist. Small complication. And it's because they actually didn't do enough archaeological research. But, but let me just say that uh, many of us feel pre-ordinary, I guess. And, um, and so the story of Christmas is really an extraordinary story of encouragement. That God seeks out ordinary people to do the extraordinary. And, and this is, this is the, one, of the hope, one of the hopes that God brings. Not only does he, he declare you to be sacred and loved and, and rescued back into his kingdom, but he, he, he says to you, you are extraordinary, you are unique. If you thought you lived in a pretty unspecial place, uh, then trust me, Nazareth was unspecial. It wasn't even mentioned in the Old Testament. Um, and archaeological evidence suggests that the place where Mary lived, which is where modern Nazareth uh, actually is, was probably one of five small, tiny satellite hamlets uh, around the main city of Nazareth, which is known today as Tel Yafia. Tel Yafia. And Mary's hamlet was thought to be about 2,500 meters from the main city. And it was probably uh, in the main city, of course, is where Jesus read uh, from in the synagogue and announced um, uh, his mandate for ministry. And it was probably the place where Joseph went in to work because nobody would go out to a hamlet in order to get a cart mended. You'd, you'd need to go into, into the city. It's very, very likely. I, I mean, have you ever wondered why it was that uh, Joseph was there? I mean, he came from south of Jerusalem, way down south in Judah. What, what they reckon happened is that after the Maccabean revolution against the Greek culture imposing kings, Antiochus IV, who, who tried to wipe out Judaism, he was, he was a very evil man, Antiochus IV, the Maccabeans... Uh, Jewish nationalists rebelled against him and, and kicked them out, which was good news. <laughs> um, and, and so the Jewish, Jewish people uh, went up north into uh, uh, Galilee at, at to, to reclaim and re-Jewify <laughs> that, that area. And they came um, particularly from Jerusalem and also from Bethlehem. And Bethlehem, of course, was the birthplace of King David. And David was known as the branch, the branch of Jesse. Do you remember that? The branch? And so guess what they called the city that they developed up in uh, Galilee? They called it the branch, which in Hebrew is Nazareth. So that's basically how it happened. 
So now when you play Trivial Pursuit, you'll be right on the ball, won't you? Uh, Nazareth didn't last for very long. Um, the Jews were really good at rebelling and being rude to occupying forces. And, um, and they, things had come to a, a fine old head in around about 68 AD. And they were just a little bit too rude. And so the uh, Roman army invaded from the north, uh, wiped out some key cities, probably including Nazareth, uh, and um, made its way down to Jerusalem in, in AD 70. Uh, the drama at Masada, who, which you may have read about, where the whole garrison, Jewish garrison in Masada committed suicide the day before that. The, the walls were breached. Uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls were buried, of course, to hide the library from the invading uh, Romans. And so it was a time of high, high drama. So Mary lived in a hamlet, not even mentioned in the Old Testament. In every respect, it was a nothing place, but never doubt that God uses uh, unspecial places and that's where he chooses to act and so the curtain goes up in an unfashionable troublesome corner of the Roman Empire called Galilee in a small hamlet away from the world centers of power and culture and the climactic event not only involved uh, very unspecial places it involved very unspecial people uh, that's so typically God, isn't it? So you've got to feel good about that, don't you? I mean, um, none of us feels good enough to fit into a stained glass window, right? Okay? Not that kind of saint. Uh, but God cherishes you and declares you unique. And God uses ordinary people. Um, we should have got a hint of God's love for humble things when God chose John the Baptist to prepare the way for Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but, but wouldn't you have hate, hated to be John the Baptist's PR agent? You know? Okay, John, uh, we've got the terrific auditorium. Uh, actually, um, it's the Court of the Gentiles in the holy city of Jerusalem, which is the most beautiful building in uh, Canaan. Uh, for you to do your preaching. Well, actually, I'm going to go out in the desert, says John. You're going out the desert. You're going out to the desert to spread your word. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, in that case, we've got to organize a superb backing band. Uh, Nick Hawks is going to be the drummer. Um, and we're going to have smoke machines, and we're going to have video clips, and we're going to have the whole performance thing. And, um, and John says... Actually, I'm going to stand by a riverbank. Really? Well, in that case, we're going to have a terrific um, banquet and, and stuff and food and, and the whole catastrophe. And John said, I don't mind that, providing you don't mind eating locusts, wild locusts and wild honey. And the PR agent would be tearing his hair out and saying, that's not going to cut it at all. But somehow or other, this amazing man uh, represents the integrity of God, the simplicity of God, if you're allowed to say that, 
And that cuts through all the power plays and the political stuff of the time, and people flock to him in their hundreds to be baptized and to repent. Isn't that beautiful? And so God has a way of using unspecial places, unspecial people. Uh, he lived an ascetic life, prayed to God in the desert, and had uncompromising standards of holiness. And in our busy world where money determines everything and pleasure seems the only goal, the challenge for us is to do the same. And so it is God's way to choose the simple and the ordinary. And the Christmas story begins with God choosing a young woman. You need to remember that in Jewish society, women were not accorded much honor. They were valued slightly above a good donkey. Uh, they were not allowed to give evidence in court because their testimony was considered to be unreliable and uh, almost all women received no education. According to the Hillel school of Jewish thinking, a woman could be divorced for having untidy hair or putting too much salt in her husband's food. And she could be, <laughs> that's not bad, is it? <laughs> How do you feel, girls? <laughs> Try it, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Uh. And so God begins with a woman. Uh, not a woman who is a respected matriarch, a queen, a proven record of wisdom or good management. No, she was a teenage peasant girl from an obscure hamlet in an occupied territory. And this single act of God thrusts to the forefront ordinary people like you and me. God wanted ordinary people to star in the greatest event in history. Because the current uh, the teaching at the time, particularly by the Pharisees, presented God uh, as someone for whom you had to fulfill a whole plethora of legal religious obligations. You, God could not be approached properly except in the temple um, and then only through offering uh, correct sacrifices, particularly the Sadducees were into that. And it was no wonder that people's um, perception of God was of someone who was totally awesome, totally unapproachable, uh, really, really holy and terrifying to know. And that actually is the view that many Australians have about, about God. God is, is too holy, uh, too distant to know well. And so they just try and live uh, an upright moral life and hope they've lived well enough to be accepted by God. You've, you've, you've come across that from your friends, I'm pretty sure. Yes? Yes. And this view is shattered. I mean, it's just totally shattered, team when God takes a teenage peasant girl, honors her with center stage in history's greatest event, in history's greatest event. And God's message to Mary through the angel Gabriel uh, blows our legalistic, unapproachable, I'm not holy enough understanding of God completely out the water. And the angel Gabriel says to Mary, greetings, g'day in Australian language, hi. 
you who are highly favored. She, the angel didn't say, uh, Mary, uh, hello to you who is just tolerated. Uh, or greetings to you whom I will patronize from my superior position. No, he doesn't. God was saying, Mary, you, Mary, in all your obscurity and ordinariness, you in your social gender weakness, you in your vulnerable, uncertain youth, I choose you. Yay! <laughs> okay, let me say that again. You ready? Yay! Uh, marginally better. It's good news, you know. Now, if God could choose Mary, you can begin to understand, my dear friends, how God can choose, choose you. And the angel Gabriel goes on and says to Mary, the Lord, in case you didn't get it, the Lord who spoke the universe into place, 93 billion light years across, and that's just the observable universe, Increasing in size at an exponential rate. That God, that God is with you. <laughs> I reckon that's pretty special, actually. And the Lord is with you is the essence of Christmas. The God who was distant, who, who, who showed us what he was like through the prophets and, and the Old Testament scriptures, who said, this is what I'm like, this is what my values are, but now I am with you. I am with you. And so God comes to us as that most vulnerable, crazy object, a baby. The God of the universe comes as a baby and is laid in a place where animals feed. I, I, I find this, ex, this story just so, so extraordinary. And, and it just shatters every, every value, every crazy value that is held with high esteem in its society today. In verse... 29 of Luke chapter 1, Mary is pretty troubled by all this and wondered, wonders what on earth is going on. And like so many of us who've had some sort of small religious experience, it just occasionally you go through life and you have this sort of little religious download, don't you? This little thing that happens. Sometimes they're big. But you have this religious experience and then you scratch your head and you think, what on earth do I make of that? What do, I, how do I, what do I do with that? Uh, and, 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 and sometimes it's, it's, it's a little bit of fear. Oh, gosh, really? You know, I thought we'd put God away in a box which I could ignore <laughs> and bring out at wedding and funerals. Decorate it with sentimentality. Think I'm being spiritual. So what was God's response to Mary's fear? What's God's response to your fear? And he says, Mary, don't be afraid. Which is a beautiful thing to say, isn't it? Because you have found favor with God. 
you and your ordinariness have found favor with God. And so God calls Mary personally, calls her by name, because God knows each of you intimately. And he says, don't be afraid. And then he gives the reason, because you found favor with God. Didn't say you've earned favor from God. You notice that? Didn't say you've earned it. Just given it. Team, as I look at you, beloved ones, dear friends, I'm looking at a bunch of people whom God loves to bits. Whom God loves to bits. Loves you to bits. You have found favor with God of the universe. Actually, And so we can now begin to understand that verse there in 1 John 4, verse 18, where it says, perfect love casts out fear. Do you remember that verse? Perfect love casts out fear. And this is how it works. If you love God in response to his love of you, you don't fear him. You don't fear him. You're not like most Australians have this little fear of God they don't know in the, in the distance. You return your love to God who has given so much of his love to you. And in that process, your fear is cast out. Isn't that cool? In verses 31 to 33 of Luke 1, God then goes to share his plan with Mary. <laughs> and it's quite a plan, just quietly. Uh, you know, virgin becoming pregnant by the Holy Spirit, producing a baby. This is not everyday stuff. You've probably worked that out. It uh, takes a bit of swallowing. And so she, being ever so practical, as many women are, says... Small problem with that, Gabes. Gabriel, Gabes, I got a small problem with that. How can that happen? I'm a virgin. <laughs> Pretty reasonable. So much like a woman to come back with a practical little objection. Isn't that right, boys? Yep. But you might notice that God is not at all bothered by Mary's protestations and questionings <laughs> because God knows that Mary has just forgotten one ingredient that she was told about that makes it all possible. Because Gabe's had said to Mary, um, this is going to happen, Mary. Because the Holy Spirit is going to be at work on you. And so the purposes of God in the lives of ordinary people become extraordinary when we allow the Holy Spirit to work through us. Okay? The extraordinary purposes of God is made possible through ordinary people when we allow the Holy Spirit of God to work through us. So what are you going to do? Allow the Holy Spirit to work through you. Yes, yes, yes. Woo, woo. Let me try that again. 
Got it. It is God's empowering presence as the Holy Spirit that makes the difference. And so God does the most beautiful, beautiful demolition job of Mary's protestations about her weakness and says, my spirit, my spirit will empower you. And God says the same to you. So in this way, a disempowered teenager from nowhere changes the course of history. Ta-da! <laughs> so where are you, my dear friends, with all of that? Where are you? Are you the one who's doubting the love of God for you? Who feels so ordinary and ashamed that you can't have anything to do with God? Have you written yourself off as someone who says, nothing, nothing significant is ever going to happen as a result of me being on this planet? A lot of people do that. You, should, you don't know my family. It's completely dysfunctional. We don't do anything important in our family. My dear friends, my precious friends, have you, heard, have you heard this gospel story that blows that out of the water? Have, have you heard the story of a God who bypasses St. Peter's Basilica and Canterbury Cathedral and Hillsong and, and finds a teenage peasant girl in a hamlet around the edge of a very short-lived city. Is it time you said yes and open yourselves up to that God so that you would fulfill the purpose for which you were born. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we love you. We want to say that because we declare today the scandal of your love for us ordinary people and we are so privileged to be loved by And we just say that, Lord. We say, thank you for bringing hope where nothing else brings hope. Thank you for declaring our purpose and our sacredness where nothing else declares. Thank you for calling us into significance where nothing else does that. Thank you, Lord, that you have dreamed us into being before time began to carry your truth and represent your love, to carry your charter in this world. And we will not be lazy about that, Lord. We will pick this up. We feel the honor of it. But we pray, as Mary <laughs> needed to know, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit's presence would be with us to make the impossible possible, that we might be effective and fruitful in showing your glory in our time. But we will not anymore say to you that you are distant and uninvolved in our lives. We will not say that. And we'll say, welcome into our lives. We ask only, Lord, that we share 
in the privilege of bringing you glory in our time. In Jesus' name, amen. Good?